Let's hear some of that movie chat. Credits roll by and I tip my hat. Credits roll by, I wanna know more right away. Let's have some of that movie chat. Credits roll by, tell me who did that. Life in the credits is where I wanna play. Welcome to Life in the Credits. This is the show where we learn about entertainment by chatting with people who work in the industry. I'm Susan. And I'm Ben. Today we're going to be discussing the film, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And joining us today is our special guest, Mariah Atlas. Welcome, Mariah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. We're very excited to talk to you, Mariah. So, can you tell us a bit about what you do? Yes, so I am currently an assistant at a literary management company. So I support two literary managers and the company in general as well, which involves scheduling for them. It's entirely relationship-based. So they'll come to me and say, I'm meeting with this exec who I have this certain relationship with. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll set that meeting with that exec and then they'll have the meeting. They'll come back. My boss will come back to me and say, here is all the material of our clients that we'd like to send to them, whether it's for consideration for a staffing opportunity on a TV show or just a writer to know, or sometimes they have a book they want to adapt and they want one of our clients to maybe do it. And I'll put that submission together, send the submission out, and then they'll get back to us after they've read everything and decide who they want to meet with on that list. And then I will set those meetings for our clients as well. Yeah. That's awesome. Can you um, tell us any specific projects you worked on or anything like that? Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing about literary management is we represent TV and film writers and directors. We also do, our company specifically does produce, not every company does, but we'll attach ourselves to some of our clients' projects as producers um, and we'll help them, you know, find writers for adaptations or find production companies and within that keep helping get the movie made. My company before I started was an associate producer on Judas and the Black Messiah. Awesome. Because our client, Will Burson, was a co-writer on that and nominated for an Oscar, which is amazing. We have projects in that way, but it's mostly that we do so much development with our own clients and then, you know, help shepherd along their projects and make it the best that, you know, give those the best shot that they can. So it's, it's more... I'm happy to tell you about our clients and what they're doing, but it's it's less, you know, projects that we're working on, which is interesting beyond the fact that we do a heavy development with all of our clients. They'll send us multiple drafts before we send it anywhere, (laughs) you know, and then we kind of hope for the best (laughs) as it goes out. Can you walk us through the process? So when are you guys brought on? Who brings you on and sort of how do you guys do your work? It's such an interesting thing about management. It's very simple and it makes a lot of sense, but if you're not in it, nobody knows how it works or what we do or anything. I'm still learning. Um, And it's especially interesting, you know, for any listeners who are writers, especially everybody's always, how do I get a manager? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. First of all, we do not take unsolicited submissions and no agency or management company will take unsolicited submissions mostly for legal purposes (laughs) and it's similar to something that happens might happen Mm -hmm. later we don't want you to be able to sue us yes but you know what'll happen is we'll get an email it can be from an exec it can be from an agent one of their clients is looking for management sometimes it's my boss's neighbor's best friend's brother's dentist (laughs) and you know we found that solicited it still counts you just have to know someone who knows someone you know and not blindly email us 
and they'll send us, you know, they'll usually ask if we want to read their materials, give us their log lines. We say yes, and then they send along their materials, um, and then we take a look at them. We'll get coverage on them. We have an internship program where we have amazing interns oh, cool. who really help us with that. Yeah. You can imagine how much material we get, even that is solicited. Yeah. So we're constantly yeah. behind. Anything that they really respond to, you know, then I, I then read, and it makes its way up the company <laughs> until, you know, and then if everybody really responds to it, we'll set a meeting with that person. We'll see, like, if we vibe as a company and a client, because, you know, sometimes people are great, but you know, what can we do for you? How could this relationship work? You know, some people we're friends with and they're looking for management and we're like, well, we're not the right people for you, but you're great. Like good luck. And so in that case, we might send them on to um, some of our, you know, friends that are managers, um, you know, and stuff like that to kind of, again, give them a shot. Uh, and our bandwidth right now is really low, yeah. as is everyone's. Totally. <laughs> it is, you know, we're really trying to find people that we all get very excited about um, yeah. and that we all spark to so that, you know, when they send us new drafts and when we want to take out their projects, mm -hmm. you know, it's something we're really excited about. Very cool. Yeah. Neat. Part of our job, and again, this is kind of the difference too between agency and management, which is another thing that nobody understands. Yeah, I was going to ask about this next, so I'm glad you're talking about it. <laughs> it's like management is very day-to-day. -day. Our clients go off and they get hired by these companies, but our job is to like get them to the place where they're ready for that, work on their scripts, help them with their you know, if they're pitching in the room and they need help with anything, we help them with their pitches. We'll run pitches with them early. Sometimes they can like use us as practice, you know, and just that very hands-on, if something goes wrong, we're also their therapists, you know, we're, <laughs> we're there fully in it, whatever they need. And an agency tends to be one, because it's usually so much bigger and each agent usually has so many more clients than most managers do is the agent is best for, you know, getting them jobs, sending their scripts out once they're done, making the industry aware that they're out and they're ready for these jobs that yeah. everybody wants and are super competitive and, you know, give them the best shot. And then us as management too, we also send them out. So that tag team can kind of like work really well, Okay, but they don't do as much of the like day-to-day okay. handholding yeah. development of the writers. Cause they just don't have the time. Makes sense. Yeah. So what is your day-to-day -day like for your job, or if it's consistent at all? <laughs> it's consistently, it's interesting. <laughs> Me specifically, you know, at the assistant level, there was one time that my entire company, you know, we've been working so hard and our bosses are absolutely great. Um, we have four managers, a coordinator, and two assistants is my okay. company, um, and our 60 clients. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody had been working so hard and doing so great that our you know, my, my main boss who owns the company, it's like, we're going to, we're going to go to a baseball game. Like we're going to do it. It's going to be great. And they said, everybody's coming except Mo. Oh, <laughs> because somebody has to run the company oh. <laughs> while we're all at a baseball game in the middle of the day. Oh. And I'm the best person to do that because all of their, you know, their jobs are obviously yeah. super important, but it's not the, you know, they set a meeting and then someone has to then set that meeting. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, most of my day-to-day -day is, um, you know, a lot of scheduling and a lot of sending out the submissions and doing the work that makes their jobs work, yeah. if that makes sense. And because I set, like I said, I set for their meetings, I set for all of our clients, 
I will also, I read a lot yeah. <laughs> of scripts, both our clients and the, and the potential clients, because then I'm that next barrier and I know how low our bandwidth is. And so it has to be something that really sticks out to me, mm-hmm. you know, for me to then pass it back up the totem pole. It's funny though, because some of our clients say, you know, they talk to me more than they talk to their families. Like they're, I'm in constant communication with them setting their meetings, giving them, like helping them, giving them the feedback we got from, you know, the companies like for them, because there are kind of two ways it goes. If somebody likes their script um, and it was for a staffing thing, for example, like we're staffing for Game of Thrones. Sure. And, you know, so they either like, we like this person in consideration for Game of Thrones or we're full or they're not right for it, but we really responded to their material. We'd like to meet with them generally and then help them get you know, maybe there's something down the line that we can work on together. And so we have generals and then there are, you know, project specific meetings mm-hmm. that I'm setting back and forth and, you know, all of that. So it's, a, it's heavy admin, but I love how development heavy my company is, um, yeah. you know, especially what I'm interested in and how much we work with our writers on scripts before they, anyone sees them. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. That's I didn't cool. know that was a thing at all. Like I assumed you were kind of on your own writing your script and then like if someone liked it, they picked it up. But you guys, it sounds like you do a ton of development and just working with the writers. That's really cool. So when you're reading a submission, is there anything that you're either looking for or are there any red flags that say, hey, this isn't what what we need. Is there any pointers you can give to writers who are submitting to management companies? Yeah. So we, as a company are a very voice driven and character driven company. Um, that's really what we respond to. We're all genres, a lot of horror, which is unfortunate for me and I don't do, I don't do deep space and I don't do deep sea. And so okay. if something like that comes in, you know, I pass that on to my coordinator. Yeah. Like, I'm not the right person for this. I'm going to hate it. Even if it's the next gravity, yeah. like it's not for me. that's funny. But also a part of it is, you know, being able to read something objectively and, you know, maybe this isn't for me, but I can see where someone who likes this would love this, (laughs) you know, and then I still pass it off and I'm like, you let me know if that's true. Yeah. Uh, Or, you know, if I'm crazy for thinking or, you know, whatnot. (laughs) Yeah. We're very interested in, in voice and character. Um, And because we do so much development work with our clients, it's, you know, one of the questions we ask is how much work would this script take? to get to where it needs to be? Do we have the time to put in that work? Is it really, really, really close? And there's only a couple notes that we would make and then we could send it out tomorrow. You know, that's someone that we'd probably consider more. Okay. It's also understanding structure and, you know, knowing your basics. It's so interesting because we want to be drawn into something original, but, you know, when you're Shonda Rhimes, you can write your 80 page pilot and, you know, call it a day and do that know the rules before you break the rules. Right. And so we even, we even tell this of some of our clients that sometimes all people want for staffing purposes is a simple, original procedural with a bit of a twist to show that you have ideas, but also to show that, you know, structure, because when you're a TV writer, specifically you're writing on someone else's show Yeah. and it's important for them when they're looking at you to know that you can follow structure Mm -hmm. and you could write in someone else's voice and you can successfully write on the show. And then when you're a showrunner and you can do all the fancy fun things, you know, all of that, that's great. Um, But in these early on, it's just, you know, grabbing us with something, you know, we haven't seen or a new take on something, but still showing that you understand structure and how to write a feature or a pilot, because we can't, 
we don't have, we have time to work with you, but we don't have time to teach you that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a whole writing program. <laughs> <laughs> but there are great writing programs yes, yeah. and writing classes. And even some of our, we have some clients who've sold projects mm-hmm. to Netflix and, you know, have had really amazing careers and they're still like, I'm kind of in a funk. I think I'm going to go take a writing class. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's, it's never too late to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, even I've taken a, a writing class through the UCLA extension program. There are so many options for people. And I think it makes me better to better understand again, structure. Cause yeah. I'm the one giving you notes. And right. if I know nothing, my word means less. Right. <laughs> totally. Totally. So just to back up a little bit, can you tell us your path toward this career, like any educational background, uh, just experience you've had, things like that? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I went to Indiana University. And I am from <laughs> Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> After I graduated, um, I moved to LA without a job, yeah. <laughs> as, as, as we do, as right. you need to do, apparently. <laughs> I actually majored in business knowing even in high school that I didn't know what capacity I wanted to be in entertainment, but I knew I wanted to move to LA and do this. And I just didn't want to be another film student competing for the same spot. Yeah. And I figured, you know, maybe this would give me a different skill set and, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote, worst case scenario, right. I'll go do some marketing <laughs> and wheel my way around to wherever I wanted to be, yeah. but, you know, get a foot in the door. Um, so I went to business school and then I minored in cinema studies and production, um, you know, through the IU media school, which was also really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved out here uh, and I started working for Jessica Patel, who's actually an IU alumni. And so I, I started working for her because we actually met at a at an alumni event. Cool. Uh, that is cool. Super, super sweet and said, you know, send me your resume. I'll send, you know, tell me what you want to do. I'll send it around to people that I know. And I sent her my resume and she got back to me and was like, I actually might keep you. And then we're together for a year and a half, you know, working together, which part of that was in COVID, which was a very interesting, you know, experience. I was very thankful to just still be with her. And it was great because, you know, she was an independent producer director uh, and her husband is a, you know, Emmy winning TV director and they do a lot of projects together and they're a really amazing team. Awesome. At that point, I was really sure that I wanted to be a writer, Yeah, Uh, you know, and everybody that I introduced myself to was, hi, I'm Mo, I want to be a writer, putting that out in my brand. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she brought me on knowing slash thinking I wanted to be a writer and, you know, we were on the same page. Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, I started doing so much development work with her and I just fell in love with it. And kind of towards the end when I was, she was transitioning more into directing and I wanted to be more in development and, you know, it just felt like a good time for us to part, although I still actually work for her part-time because we're, we work really well together. I think I'm leaning more towards development. I just, writing is hard and I don't know if I'm like that, you know, if I'm willing, (laughs) if I'm that passionate about it, I want to do it for the rest of my life as a career. Uh, I think I'm leaning towards development. She just turns to her husband and she was like, I was wondering when she was going to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I was like, good, you know me. I wish you would have pulled me so that (laughs) I didn't have to go on my own little internal journey, but I'm glad we got to the same point. Right. Um, Well, you need to discover it for yourself, right? Exactly. And then, yeah, I ended up, I actually, I don't know if you or anyone listening would be familiar with um, the Junior Hollywood Radio and Television Society. No. Um, But there are quite a few, you know, organizations like that that are geared towards, you know, there's women in film and like variations of these 
organizations that are just geared towards, you know, entertainment professionals meeting each other. And then, so I was in JHRTS and I got into their mentorship program uh, in March of this past year. And it was about the time I was looking for a new job. And so I was talking to my mentor and, you know, I got my current job, you know, through a connection that she had. Awesome. So, you know, and I told her I was more interested, I was interested in leaving and, you know, wanted to do more development, work with writers, but not be a writer. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, that's how I ended up in management, which has been, you know, really, really great so far. That's awesome. Yeah. What you said about when you're like, yeah, I just put it out there that I wanted to be a writer. That's how I introduced myself. That's we're hearing that a lot. Like just when you meet people telling them your goals is so important because then they know. And if, you know, if you form a relationship, then they just know like, all right, this person wants to be a writer. So if I meet someone who could help them be a writer, then I can kind of put them, connect with them. Connect and, them. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to know what yeah. you want to do. I changed my mind, right? but I do a lot of networking and I'm kind of at the point where I, I network up and I have people contacting me. So I'm, yeah. you know, going both ways. And this is someone, something someone told me that I tell anybody who talks to me is that it's, it's okay if you think you want to do everything that's totally yeah. fine or if you're not sure but when you're talking to someone a know what they do and yeah. if you're really not sure you know tailor what you want to do to what they do yeah. <laughs> um, but then also have something to put out there because mm-hmm. again if you're coming to me and I'm at a management company but I know a lot of different people and you say well I want to be a director but I also really love producing yeah uh, and I'm really passionate about writing and, uh, but development sounds really cool too. That's <laughs> mm. wonderful. I'm yeah. so glad you have so many interests. Yeah. You're going to do something great. How can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> do I connect you to a producer? Do I connect you to a writer? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to connect you to everybody. I right. don't have the kind of dime. And, you know, at yeah. this point, I don't probably don't even know you that well. Yeah. So it is putting whatever you think you want out there. And that's how you learn too, Mm -hmm. and figure out, oh, maybe writing isn't for me. Maybe directing really is for me. Yeah. There are so many Hoosiers in LA we've discovered, especially through this all over the place. May I introduce you to Hollywood Hoosiers? Yes. Yes. I do know about Hollywood Hoosiers. That is now my organization. Oh yeah. (laughs) It was Jessica Patel's and Mm -hmm. she ran it brilliantly for 13 years all by herself. And I don't know how she did that. And she decided that she did not want to have as much of a controlling role in it anymore. You know, she's doing other things and passed it off onto me. So that is now literally my organization yeah congratulations (laughs) yeah that's awesome I it's it's a lot and with COVID you know we're trying to kind of make the most of it yeah but you know I just absolutely love networking and uh I actually met her at a Hollywood Hoosiers event oh very cool years ago awesome that is cool do you have any moments from your career that are either like your favorite moment or like I can't believe this is what I get to do or a moment where like I can't believe this is my job right now (laughs) I am constantly in that yeah (laughs) (laughs) first of all I absolutely love networking right Uh, one of my favorite you know benefits of my current company is that we have a networking budget built into our contracts oh nice because again, where a line in my contract yeah. is that I should meet with executives and meet with assistants and go out to comedy shows and find yeah. writers and, uh, you know, just connect with everybody because so much of this is just based on relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, anywhere my bosses are sending any of our clients' material is because they have a personal relationship with someone at that company who trusts them enough to read that material and, again, 
you know, decide if that's someone they want to bring on for their show or yeah. if that's a project they want to put money behind and make. Yeah. So that's been great. I'm also a huge Disney fan. And yeah. uh, one of our clients, Bridget Hales, does a lot with the Disney camp and oh, actually cool. just uh, did the, the rewrite that got greenlit of Enchanted 2. Oh, uh, and so that's to just be on some of these emails. Yeah. <laughs> wild. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite Disney movie? This, this yes. is a podcast, but she just held up, <laughs> Mo just held up a Lion King. Is that a mouse pad? It's a mouse pad. Nice. Yeah, this, is, this is my work desk. Uh, <laughs> and I have a, I have a, a, a real mouse and a mouse pad the, with the Lion King. Yes. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a great choice. Yeah, definitely. One of my all-time favorite movies yeah. in general, but I also, I most Disney movies. Yeah, that's true. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah, mine's The Little Mermaid, but yeah, yeah, movie. yeah. nailed it. Uh, What's yeah, yours? Uh, probably The Incredibles. Okay, that's a pretty good. The one. first well, one. Okay. Yeah. So, like, if we're classic talking Pixar movies. Right. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Disney <laughs> owns Pixar. Yeah, it's okay, but like, guys. yeah, yeah. But when I say Disney movie, right? You mean there's an expectation there. I think The Incredibles is the best Pixar movie. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. really good. It's, it's, it's so incredible. Good. incredible. I, I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> so what was your favorite classic Disney movie? Yeah. Oh, man. Pre-Pixar or outside of Pixar? Pete's Dragon. Oh. I feel like we need a, what your favorite Disney movie says about you. Yeah. <laughs> Pete's Dragon. Well, you think you're a hipster. And you like, <laughs> you like to choose the obscure choice. Still good. Yeah. But like to veer a different pathway from the mainstream. Yeah. You really want to show off your deep level of Disney knowledge. I think it's probably because my sister watched all of the other ones on repeat. Okay. Growing up. So I got kind of burnt out on them. Yeah. That's also very valid. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go with the hipster thing. That's funny. <laughs> All right, Mo, we got one more question for you. What advice do you have for people who are interested in getting into either management or writing or anything like that? Well, I'd say, first of all, for writing specifically, what I absolutely love about it is I think it's one of the only jobs in existence that you can do the entirety of from start to finish with nobody paying you <laughs> and nobody has to tell you what to do. Yeah. You yeah. can sit in your home and you can write a full pilot. You could write a full TV show if you wanted to. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. I would just stick with the pilot and try and get someone interested in that. And for that reason, you know, me saying now I, I don't want to be a writer doesn't necessarily mean I'm giving up on writing forever. We even, some of the people who submit to us are current executives at companies who have, who write on the side or some who even write under pseudonyms, which I think is incredibly interesting, Yeah, yeah. you know, and it's, it's something that you can do forever and it's never too late to get into it. And again, you can do the full scope of the job with nobody paying you. Mm -hmm. So do it, <laughs> you yeah. know, write if you want to write, uh, you know, Shonda Rhimes in her masterclass, which if, you haven't watched that I 10 out of 10 recommend yes. uh, but she really goes into TV writing and what it's like and being a showrunner in a way that I think is very transparent to people who really have no idea how that part of the industry works mm. but she says you know if a writer is someone who writes right you know whether someone's paying you to or not if you are a working paid writer great <laughs> for you but just being a writer means right but people want to help other people, especially IU alumni, mm -hmm. super excited about lifting up other IU alumni, very cool. uh, which is something that I'm also very, you know, passionate about. And so it really is just putting yourself out there and meeting as many people as you can. 
you just have to do it. That's great. Yeah. Perfect. Let's get to our featured film. Today we're discussing the 1953 comedy musical Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. It was written by Charles Lederer and based on the musical comedy by Joseph Fields and Anita Luce. It was directed by Howard Hawks and it stars Jane Russell, Marilyn Monroe, and Charles Coburn. Susan, before we get into it, can you give us a quick breakdown? What's this movie about? Yeah, um, really quick. So this movie really centers around Lorelai Lee and Dorothy Shaw, who are two showgirls. And Lorelai just got engaged to this pretty wealthy guy. And they're getting married in Europe. But he can't go to Europe right now. So she's going to Europe with her friend Dorothy. And of course, this they're going on like a boat, like a cruise ship pretty much. And this is pretty much where the whole movie takes place. Um, a little bit happens in Europe at the end, but Lorelai's fiance doesn't really, well, I should say her fiance's dad doesn't really trust her. So he hires this private investigator named, I think his name's- Malone? Malone, Malone yeah. This private investigator is pretty much spying on Lorelai the entire cruise on the way to Europe. Also, Dorothy is very much interested in finding a man on this cruise not necessarily to marry just to find a man um and of course the boat is full of like the whole u.s olympic team so there's all these men around like working out constantly and then also the musical numbers lots of musical numbers but um yeah it really centers around these two female characters and like their hijinks that they get into on this boat ride mo you chose this film for us to watch why did you choose this one well it's one of my all-time favorite movies yeah um and i watched it for the first time with my dad we love watching old movies together and he always says just remember it was the time you yeah. know kind yeah. of in a which is very valid to an extent but i always say well gentlemen gentlemen prefer blondes did it right no and was it a perfect movie no but again it's 1953 and we can go more into this but i think it's a feminist anthem yeah actually i was um because i'd never seen this movie before so i didn't really know what to expect but i was thinking like oh 1950s movie about two women probably gonna be some questionable stuff but i was actually surprised how much like agency these characters had like they were in control of everything like mm -hmm. on, on this in boat. the ways that they there, it's 1953, yeah. there are only so many ways a woman can be in control mm -hmm. of her life. And I think Lorelai says something at the end, spoiler alert, yeah. uh, <laughs> that, you know, she says when she's talking to her fiance's father yes. and says, you know, you would want, if you had a daughter, you would want her to marry rich, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm not marrying someone to marry rich, but it sure does help. Right. Yeah. You know, why is it so bad that I want that for myself? Mm -hmm. This is an interesting question because the whole time I was like, I don't know if Lorelai is a likable character. And it, I, I kept on going back and forth. I'm talking about Marilyn Monroe's character because the beginning, you know, it, she does give off the impression that she's in it for the money. And then eventually through her songs and through her actions she's really she <clears throat> wants to be a successful person um and at the time uh you know society just said well that means you have to marry a rich man but it's so interesting because she's she was very attached to her fiance and then he can't go to europe with them so now she's flirting with all the rich guys on the boat and you know trying to like 
get close to this uh, guy named Peggy, who's just just very wealthy gentleman who's just has he a owns, diamond he mine. He owns diamond mine, yeah. Yeah, owns <laughs> a diamond mine, and his wife has all these diamonds all over her. But at the same time, it's like, well, she's the one who's has a fiance. Like she's doing something that could get her in trouble. Yeah, but she never really does anything with Peggy. No, she, I mean, she doesn't. She just wants his diamonds, so she's yeah, no, she's so. just flirting yeah, like right. crazy, yeah. I think she is so much smarter mm-hmm. than yeah. she lets anyone believe, which again, in that scene at the end with the father-in-law yes. or the, you know, her soon to be father-in-law. And he says, they told me you were dumb. Mm-hmm. Right. She's like, right. I'm smart when I want to be. And again, yeah. I'm saying it like a normal person. She's saying it like Marilyn Monroe, right. but <laughs> you know, and she just has, sometimes she has this look in her eye and I'm like, you know, exactly what you're doing and you're doing it very purposefully. And you know, when she goes up to the Mater D when everybody's paying money to sit at her table yeah. and she wants someone to sit at her table, but he doesn't want to treat her the same way that he treats the men who want to sit at her table. Yeah. And, you know, she doesn't have her own money to offer. So she says, you know, I, I had this happened before and I just ended up eating my meals in my room. I wasn't feeling well. And then all those men had to give the money back. Yeah. So sad. We wouldn't want that to happen to you. Like <laughs> he's using, I think both of these women are using all of the tools that they have. And they even say something about it where yeah. You know, yeah. Dorothy Shaw says, you know, if we, if we can't pull this off, we don't deserve the name woman. Yeah. You know, and I think that they're just using all of the tools that they have at that time to make the best lives for themselves that they, mm-hmm. you know, they see themselves having. And it's so entertaining to watch. It is. <laughs> Yeah, this was a I think that this was really enjoyable to watch. Again, I had no idea what to expect, but all the musical numbers really good, really entertaining, and all the characters I think were really strong. It's a piece of history, right? So there's something to be said of, you know, every time they get all dialed up and walk in a room, all of the guys just lose control. Yeah. The musicians start screwing up. People are <laughs> falling over because of how beautiful they are. But one thing I do love in this movie that really resonated was the relationship between the two women. Mm-hmm. Never does a man get in between them. No. Never do they fight. I mean, they bicker with each other friend, you know, in a friendly but, yeah, way. Yeah, it's like sisters. Yeah. 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 But, you know, they're always supportive of mm-hmm. each other, even though they're very different people. Yeah. Do you guys know what the Bechdel test is? Yes. yes. So for any listeners who don't, um, because it's one of my favorite things, yeah. uh, it's it's a, a very easy test to pass that a lot of movies don't pass. Most movies uh, don't it, pass, yeah. Most movies don't pass. And it's not a, you know, it's it's to help determine, you know, at bare minimum, the treatment of women in these films. And to pass it, all you need is two female identifying characters who have names yes. to have a conversation with each other that lasts for more than two lines of dialogue that is not about a man. Yeah. And I think around this time, especially around this time and to today, a lot of movies di- didn't pass for the sole reason is there was only one named woman. Mm-hmm. Casablanca, you know, like there's Ingrid Bergman and no one else. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't even have the opportunity to pass. And they do spend in this one, they spend a lot of time talking about boys, but mm-hmm. they also spend a lot of time just being with each other and they defend each other to other people, even though they want such different things. Yeah. Uh, and to your point about the obvious objectification uh, of these two women, what I also loved about this movie, and not that I support objectification 
objectification of anybody mm-hmm. but the musical number with Dorothy Shaw with, with all, all of the yeah. Olympic team yes. in their swimsuits <laughs> and they are just props for her <laughs> it's like I again it's so ahead of its time yeah. and not in, again not in a way that I think we should be objectifying anybody right but that was something that you certainly weren't seeing at that time no 100 right this woman getting her starring moment yeah. and these shirtless men around her that she's just ogling and they're doing whatever she wants yeah <laughs> you know, this I mean, great big moment for her and also the fact that she does just she wants to just have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and at that time, I don't even know if you were allowed to want that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, know, seeing her go after that and seeing how they supported each other and, you know, bickered, but, you know, they just wanted the best for each other. And she even says, you know, when Malone is saying bad things about Lorelai, she's like, only I get to talk about her right. that way. Like that right. yeah. girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a really awesome relationship to see, especially knowing that it was made in 1953. I think it makes you even yeah. stronger. Um, but yeah, that scene with the guys, she's literally like moving their arms around to like, <laughs> like literally using them as props, which is and so see, there's the one point where she's like having a very dramatic moment. I yeah. think it's by one of the pummel horses. Mm-hmm. And there are two men in a very uncomfortable, yeah. like, headstand on top of this pummel horse who have to hold completely still while she's just sitting there having her moment like you know singing her song and they're just props (laughs) just have to stay in this position and not move and I think it's I think it's wonderful yeah it's great there's so many good musical numbers in this and of course the most famous one is when Marilyn Monroe sings Diamonds Diamonds are a girl's girl's best best friend Diamonds are a girl's best friend (laughs) You know, a scene in this movie that's been referenced or, you know, people have covered that song many, 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 many times. Yeah, I feel like it's referenced in a lot of music videos, like, yeah, yeah, all over the place. I mean, it was even referenced. Or in uh, Burlesque, if you guys have seen that, you know, Christina Aguilera does a whole number (laughs) around this it was yeah. even, I mean, it's even referenced in like the uh, Harley Quinn movie, the Birds of Prey movie, where, you know, she's dressed like, oh, yeah, and does the whole number as yeah. though she was, you know, I mean, it's, it's just so iconic, uh, that part of the film. Well, at the end, you know, there's this great scene where Dorothy Shaw dresses up as Lorelai Lee. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about this. It's wonderful. Yeah. She, and she goes, first of all, she has an amazing Marilyn Monroe impression. Yeah. Wow. And really she goes spot to the courtroom to stall while Lorelai is with Gus convincing him to marry her basically and you know as they're when Dorothy's successful Lorelai and Gus are leaving the room and um you know she kind of has this like oh we did I got a call that everything's okay now we actually don't have to get married yeah you know like so she again she wants the and I think she's fond of Gus and he she makes a point where he's you know most men who have that kind of money aren't as sweet as he is right dumb as he is and she has a point there um but I don't again I don't know if at any point she's in love with him but Mm -hmm. I also think that's okay because that's not what she wants right her own goal and you know she's using her agency to get what she wants Mm -hmm. and I I love that for her you're so smart like you know how to manipulate people Mm -hmm. and you know, not in a bad way, in a way that would make her a Slytherin. Right. Like, yeah. Totally. <laughs> you know? 100%. <laughs> the whole courtroom scene is out of control. It's great. Wild. Uh, and is this just an excuse for Jane Russell to do an impression of Marilyn Monroe? Maybe. Probably. And she killed it. Yeah. So I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Yeah. When 
when she first like takes off the jacket and starts dancing around so and, good. and everyone just loses their minds. Yeah. It's like, what Except is the judge who's like, sit down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is a courtroom. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's doing like a whole, whole full dance number, number full but costume. Again, using the tools that they yeah. have at the time to their advantage yeah. to stall mm-hmm. and do what she needs to do. Yeah. They, to put 2021 language on it, these women understood the assignment. Yes. <laughs> we like to finish up our show today with a game that we're calling Movie Tunes. We're going to see how well both of you know movies based on their soundtrack. Mo, you're going to be playing against Susan. So here are the rules. You, you will each have one minute to identify as many movies as you can from their featured songs. As soon as you know the movie, shout it out. If you don't know it, you can pass. Whoever gets the most right after each of your minutes will win our prize. Susan, what's our prize? Uh, It's going to be a piece of Life in the Credits merch. So either a shirt or a mug, whatever. Yeah. So you'll get to choose something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We'll send that to you. I get a prize for being a loser as well. A consolation prize. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, don't spoil it. All right. You might. I don't know. We'll see. Steaks, guys. We got to keep the steaks high. Right. Exactly. It's all about steaks. All right. So, Mo, you've elected to go second, yeah. which means, Susan, you're going first. All right. So, are you ready? Yes. So, I'm going to give you the name of the song. You have to name the movie. The movie. Okay. Your time will start as soon as I read the first song. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Shallow. Um, oh, my God. What? Pass. I know, I know that movie, but I can't think of it. Old Time Rock and Roll. Pass. I don't know what that's from at all. Rainbow Connection. This is from the Muppets movie? Yes. Okay. Uh, Summer Nights. Grease. Yes. My Favorite Things. Sound of Music? Yes. Three points. Fight the Power. I don't pass. Born to be Wild. That's got to be like an 80s movie, but I don't know. Pass. The Power of Love. Oh, this is Back to the Future? Correct. Okay. All right, let's circle back. Shallow? I can't remember. This is so dumb, but I can't remember the name of this movie, but like, it's... It, can, you, can you describe <laughs> it? Can she, can she tap in for a hint? Lady Gaga, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah but I, my brain... Oh, I'm sorry, it? that's time. What? Okay. Tell me at the Look, end. Well, no, we'll go over them now. Well, maybe or we'll no, wait, what if we use the tiebreaker? Yeah, we could use it as, as one of the ones one of us didn't get. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But like, I'm going to feel very dumb when you say the title of that movie because it just came out a couple years ago and it was so famous and I know it, but I now I can only think of the of shallow <laughs> i'm glad i'm going second though because there yep. there were a couple in there that i that i knew that she didn't but now yeah. i'm worried that i will know none of mine what did I get? I did I get four? you got four correct okay. that was pretty good nice all right so mo you're up i'm ready are you ready i'm ready let's go <gasps> kiss from a rose pass my heart will go on uh titanic correct diamonds are a girl's best friend Gentlemen prefer blondes. <laughs> Correct. I will always love you. Oh. It's not Dream Girls, is it? No. no, I'm sorry, it's not. Pass. Lady Marmalade. Uh Moulin Rouge? Yes. Over the Rainbow. 
The Wizard of Oz. Yes. Time of my life. Uh, Dirty Dancing. Yes. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Mary Poppins. That is correct. Let's circle back. Kiss from a rose you don't know. I don't think I'm going to get that. And I and I will always love you. <sighs> Kevin Costner carries Whitney Houston through a crowd. <laughs> that would make sense. I'm... I made the point not to watch Kevin Costner movies. Got <laughs> 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 one, two, three, four, five. You got six points. Mo. Oh, nice. You killed it. Yeah. So let's review the ones you um, guys did not get. Yes. Uh, Shallow. Who, Mo, who's singing? Who, what movie is that from? A Star is Born. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Old time rock and roll. Any guesses? I have no idea what that's from. That's Risky Business. Oh, I don't. Oh. I have never seen Risky Business. Okay. Well, that's a pretty famous scene where. Tom I know Cruise, the scene with the shirt. Yeah. I just from pop culture. I didn't know what. Yeah. I didn't know what song but, that's. Yeah. Favorite. I know that's You Complete Me. <laughs> that's Jerry Maguire. It's Whoop. Tom Cruise. All the <laughs> same. It's, all it's Top Gun. It's, it's all right. All I didn't know a star is born, which is insane. <laughs> uh, fight the Power. Yeah. I don't it's remember, a, but do the right thing, right? Yeah. Yes, it is do the right thing. Yeah. I'd watch that in film school. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Born to be wild. I don't know what that's from. That's Easy Rider. Oh, I've never seen that. Yeah. I've never seen that. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty cool film. Um, Is well, that the film? Didn't they film part of that movie in a uh, New Orleans cemetery? In like, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. But it that was like the reason. Fact. Yeah. Yeah, it was like Harvey Keitel back when he was young. Anyways, um, all right. So, kiss from a rose. That's from Batman Forever. But see, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I will always love you. That's the bodyguard. I did know the bodyguard. I was never gonna get that. Yeah, that's okay. And I don't know that if I would have gotten it when it was my turn. But like, it's always easier when you're not right. in the hot seat. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Mo, you killed it. You. Yeah, won you some... won. You won. Congratulations. That's shocking information. <laughs> well done. Well, Mo, before we let you go, yeah. would you like to plug anything? The entertainment industry as a whole. <laughs> Try it. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, do you have a website where they can see your art? I do have a website. Uh, it is mariahatlas.com. And I would check the title of this podcast to spell that correctly. Yes. Because we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll make sure it's spelled yes. right there. They uh, accidentally called, speaking of Indiana University, they accidentally called me Mariah Carey as I was walking across the stage at my college graduation. For real? No way. My also favorite fact. <laughs> oh my God. Were people surprised that you were not uh, it was Mariah Carey? Very funny. I know they were, they were so disappointed when I walked yeah. out. Um, They're like, we went to college with Mariah Carey? <laughs> <laughs> my parents were less amused than I was, right. but I went I back imagine. to my feed and was just like texting them Mariah Carey memes where she's like, everybody's obsessed with me. <laughs> so. Well, Mo, thank you so much for yeah, joining thanks. us. This, this was, was really fun. Yeah, this thanks was great. for having me. This yeah. was so fun. Life in the Credits is hosted and produced by me, Susan Swarner. And me, Ben Bloom. It's executive produced by Michelle Levin. The music is written and performed by Steve Trowbridge. You can hear more of Steve's music at TrowbridgeSounds.com. The show logo is created by Melissa Durkin. 
If you'd like to support Life in the Credits and get access to exclusive perks, you can do so at patreon.com. If you'd like to follow or get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Life in the Credits or shoot us an email at lifeinthecredits at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. To put 2021 language on it, these women understood the assignment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>